Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Monty Wilden. My guest today is Antonio Capaldo. Antonio is the chairman of Fiudi San Gregorio. Hello, Monty. How are you doing? Good. So you're one of the great talkers, so I'm just going to wind you up (laughs) and then let you spin. Uh, How did you get into wine? What did you study at university? I actually don't come from a wine uh, from a wine family, so I studied uh, economics, and then I worked in um, in uh, international uh, finance, and then in consulting. But international finance for charities and things like that, yeah. After and development. That, yeah? After that, okay. before I was in, in the dark side, so I was in banking before in uh, Lazar Bank in Paris. Then I got into McKinsey, the consulting firm, and then I did my thesis on microcredit. So I was in the charity finance, and then I got back to family, you know. So and uh, to the family business and uh, to the winery that was created in 86. This is Fiudi di San Gregorio. It was created by my dad and my uncle. Uh, and then the family progressively, no, ma- no member of the family was involved in the daily operation. So I got in and uh, I was, uh, I mean, it was a big change in my life. And all the things I learned before, they were 95% useless uh, to, to run a real business. So but, that's intriguing. But did you always secretly want to do this? Very secretly, probably. No, I, I didn't know that. I, I actually joined the winery when I was 32 and uh, I think I started thinking about it when I was 27, 28, not before, for sure not before. I was uh, I was not even drinking that much. So then I got into this, I did my sommelier classes, I studied. Uh, I don't have a winemaker um, background and I never have, but uh, I studied I studied before joining and then uh, and then I just got in and luckily I have a, a very strong staff inside and I created a staff that is very strong on the, on the viticultural end why making part where I'm a little bit less, of course, knowledgeable. And uh, so, how did you change that? Was that difficult getting people in that you wanted? What did you look? What do you look for for someone that's working in the vineyard or the winery? Loyalty, ability, commitment. Well, loyalty is a loyalty is a very nice word, but uh, it's a, for me, it's not particularly important. Loyalty goes where there is leadership and there is a serious behavior by the company. So, loyalty you need to you need to gain that. Also, it's relatively easy to gain loyalty and trust if you behave correctly. So, the most important thing was a uh, company and the competence that go in a winery that was created in 86 by a family that had no winemaking experience before was bringing the best expertise from outside but being able to adjust to a local place where people that grew up in the area they knew how to make the wine but they didn't know how to explain it so in a way we needed to put together a team where we had experts from other regions or anyway from with long long standing expertise with people who had an intuition about what should be done in the vineyards because they've been doing that forever but they didn't know how to to pass to to, to explain it or to or to systematize this so we have now we have a staff of uh, five people in the vineyards six uh, three of them are from uh, Irpinia so from the, the, the hometown where the winery is located the other three come one from Friuli one from Tuscany and another one uh, from Friuli and in the winemaking team is the same we have internal winemakers that are all from the area but then we also always have two or three consultants they don't make the wine, they just give an outside perspective because we're all a little bit self-made and sometimes, that's a, I think it's a limit to some Italian uh, areas and our area for sure, is that we, we tend to be a little bit too self-referenced. I mean, I don't know how you say Self-regarding. That, self-regarding, correct. So we just say, we've been doing this forever, this is the way to do it. But in our area, we need to, we definitely need to break the past and do much better. We can do much better.
Yeah, because there's always this um, perception of the South, um, this romantic perception of it, and also the kind of slightly careless attitude sometimes to precision in the winery or things like that, as well as obviously local issues, social issues, things like that. And then there's the other side that you see of the South, where you really find wines that are completely and utterly unique and that are just brilliant, that are just world-class, that cost really relatively little. So how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself a little bit in the middle of that, that tradition, maybe making wines that are of limited international interest or the very sort of modern style? wines that have universal appeal you want to be somewhat a little bit in the middle uh, we, we, we try to I mean tradition is something you live every day now in our area we have vines that have 200 years so prephylocera varietals have been there for 2000 years but you shouldn't sit on that so uh, we are definitely we definitely in all our way making choices in the communication in the marketing and everything we try to be more innovative and modern but keeping the tradition in the, in the middle of our thinking. So in a way, we are in the middle of the of the of the dilemma that you were posing. But I think you can match the two. You can combine the two. I think this tradition that we all live. My my grand every grandfather was making wine. My my grandfather was making a very horrible wine in the area, like vinegar. And uh, but we capitalize on that because wine has been in our in our in our life forever. But still, when we started, we released the white wines before Christmas that's of the same uh, the same harvest that's impossible so we were the first one to push this until April or May the following year to to allow all the wine to express so these are things that I don't think it's too modern it's just uh, the more correct way to treat the importance of your tradition so that's yeah. where we I stand yeah common sense yeah. How, do, how do you see markets developing uh, both in Italy and, and abroad for wines from southern Italy or Italy in general in Italy in general uh, the consumption is becoming increasingly regional so in Campania for instance we grow every every year surprisingly because I mean in Campania we've been in crisis forever and Naples has been a city in crisis since I mean since I was born 40 years ago but still we are able to increase consumption because we are gaining market share versus other regions and conversely we are losing a little bit of consumption in regions where the wines are increasingly important the local production like Lazio like Lombardia like Emilia Romagna where nobody was making wine 20 years ago and now there are interesting wineries so I believe this uh, the trend is not easy to analyze with just one word but uh, we are growing in our local areas and we're also growing as more the top brands are growing because Italian is concentrating because there has been too many people making wine there's been too many people trying to sell the wine and the crisis helped at least in this regard to to concentrate also towards the, la- the largest the brands. so honestly Italian market over the past five years has been a growth growth for us uh, on the foreign markets our category is super small but we are we benefit from the great curiosity that for instance in the US increasingly in Asia in UK the sommelier community is having and even the top customers so honestly there is a there is a continuous growth but the category is very tiny and i believe that we should, we will remain and it's great and it's nice a niche product for people who are curious and we need the problem is that the curious one time so then you have to deliver otherwise they're curious of something else so the the, the there is a, it's always difficult to to match expectations when a person is curious you need to be high standing so when you say niche or a nicchia in, in italian nicchia, correct do you mean like a sort of uh, italian wine made from native grape varieties or just italian wine in general no i think our niche is because of the varietals because the categories are varietals or regions in the world and the aglianico is planted i think this the surface uh, surface of sangiovese is ten thousand times bigger than the surface of aglianico just to make an example so they're niche by definition greco di tufo which is white wine is, grape aglianico is, red wine grape obviously correct yeah. Taurasi, you make it taurasi yeah, yeah. taurasi 
is the DOCG made of Alianico, like Barolo uh, is made of Nebbiolo, no? it's, the same, uh, it's the same relationship. Greco di Tufo DOCG, which is a white, one of the most credible and intriguing white wines that we do in Italy. And I'm not, I mean, of course, I'm a partisan there, but... Uh, and that means Greco from the village of Tufo. Correct. Greco is the grape and Tufo is the... Greco is a grape that you find in other places, but I mean, the result is not the same because Tufo is, a, is an incredible uh, chalky soil area. Greco di Tufo is less than a thousand hectare DOCG. Yeah, so tiny. what can you do about it? Uh, Italian are used to drink it. So first of all, the domestic market. So there is little that goes abroad. Fiano, do you make a Fiano? Yeah, we make Fiano di Avellino. Fiano sure. is the grape, Avellino is the city. And both together, Fiano di Avellino is a DOCG and we make it. And uh, Fiano is a 600 or 700 hectare. So it's tiny. Yeah, and we are the only area in Italy that has three DOCG with two whites and one red. The red is Taurasi, as we said before. So it's a sign of, uh, even if DOCG is not always as you know and you, I'm sure you, many people explain every day, it's not a sign by definition of quality. It's a recognition that has been done to a terroir that is good for both for both sides, no? for whites, for reds, because of the, particularly because of the soils. What about tourism? Tourism is... Um, is that underexploited in your area? It's beautiful area. A lot. It's growing by, I mean, Campania in general, uh, the airport of Naples is growing some 30% every year incoming of course the most important uh, part of tourism goes on the coast yeah sure Amalfi we are, coast exactly like Amalfi coast is one hour drive from our from uh, our winery Naples is 45 minutes so we're not far so we benefit uh, we benefit directly because increasingly people are coming to see our winery we have on average every year 30,000 guests of which one third is uh, foreign people from abroad 300,000 guests yeah yeah 30,000 oh you personally <laughs> yeah that's a lot no, no, our winery 30,000 because we also have a Michelin star restaurant inside the winery Oh, the so little secrets have, are tumbling out yeah. now. <laughs> so out of these 30,000, 10, 12 goes to the restaurant. 10, 12 are also foreign, uh, mostly from US, Germany, UK. And so we benefit directly, but also indirectly, because there are a lot of people that go to the Malfi Coast. And after, of course, it's beautiful to have a week of sun, but maybe one day it rains and they want to see something different and they come at the winery. So uh, definitely the tourism is increasing. We have a winery that is very equi- equipped to a welcome guest, but to, the structure needs to be improved. It's not Tuscany now, of course. We don't have the nice agrituismo, we don't have many of them. We need to improve that area. Yeah, but maybe it's quite nice that little bit of rusticity and I, I like Im- this. imperfection. I like this. We have this because you get uh, it's like the unexpected. You, the, the whole story thing about the holidays, yeah. You know, I was all there, I went to the hotel, it was clean, I did this, mm. the shower work. Yeah, uh, it doesn't need uh, to be dirty, but I'm, still. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> I get that. But yeah, you said oh, I went to uh, Campania, it was absolute chaos, but my god, I had a good time. Yeah, I mean, I, that's, I, I shouldn't say that because it's, it looks like bad publicity, it doesn't happen every day. I'll tell my brother in law because he's from Mavellino, so. Uh, no, but uh, but you know when we invite, I remember there was a group from Germany, and there was a guy who was uh, some thief uh, snatched his uh, his mobile in Naples. Uh, but still, he want to come back uh, so many times. No, so he's uh, even if he had a bad accident, which doesn't happen to everybody, he was so excited about it. He said, "Ah, I'm so happy! I went to Campania, they snatched my phone. Then we bought another one, so the one was very nice." So even the sign of everything is a little bit exaggerated. No? And now at a guest house, you have no TV, you have nothing. Oh, bro, well it's done, a guest yeah. house where you really live a little bit outside the world now we have eight rooms no more than that just for guests and I think this is what you said you said before it's not dirty but it's a little bit rustic now you want to live this kind of uh, experience so you're not going to go back to microfinance then no <laughs> Antonio Gabaldo thanks a lot for coming in and telling us about uh, Fury di San Gregorio and your other projects um, we didn't actually talk a lot about your other projects so we'll definitely get you back again Thank I'll you. probably have to do this outro again the producer's going to shoot me for getting all my words mixed up Antonio Gabaldo thanks very much for coming in today and telling us about Fury 
is it Feudy Desangregor? Desangregor, yeah. Yeah, they've written about it. Third time lucky. Antonio, just want to say thanks to you, Antonio Capaldo of Feudy Desangregorio in Campania. Thanks very much for coming in today. And uh, telling us about your pre wine career, which is. Um, we could do a whole series on that, I think. <laughs> I'm not very, sure it's that exciting. Yeah, you are. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know any Italian that speaks quicker than you in perfect English as you do. But your story is incredible, uh, what you're doing. And I love the idea that you're really seeing wine with the big picture. So it's, it's, the, it's the memory factor, it's the quality factor, it's the local grapes factor, the tourism factor. It's all, it's all very joined up without being kind of boring. Thanks. Yeah, you Take had a big smile much. there. You're so worried about my, what my last word was going to be. There was such an expectation about this no. last word. Sorry. You know, <laughs> I always always really look forward to meeting you and talking you. to you because you're I find you incredibly stimulating company. You're a, you're a great communicator. You should do my job. <laughs> you know, I'm a terrible communicator. So, That's not true. So you won't earn a, you won't earn a huge amount of money. That's not true. You know, I, I've made wine, but I'm a pretty shitty winemaker. So uh, you know, it's not like you could even employ me in your estate. You know, I'm also pretty much a shitty winemaker, yeah. so we can switch. Well, why don't you stick me in the vineyard pruning or something? I don't know. You know. Anyway, Antonio, it's really great to see you. Thanks Thank a lot, you. mate. Thank Thanks. You. Thanks. Yeah, that's it. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.